Welcome to the Soul Archaeology Podcast, a space for connection, resonance, witnessing, and learning. Together we'll harvest medicine from the spiral of life, sharing conversations with other embodied humans who have navigated their own initiations and found alignment with their true soul essence. With weekly astrology, energy updates, embodied conversation, and channeled teachings, this is a space for you to land and find resonance with the spiral of your own soul. Hello, Kristen. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited for this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Little nervous, but me too. Well, you're such a well of knowledge and I'm just, I don't know. I feel like everyone needs to, needs to know about you and hear about you and uh, be able to, yeah, just, just pull some, some medicine from this conversation. I know that uh, we've worked together in the Mm -hmm. past and you're such a gifted astrologer um, magic worker and you just that your studies have created such a, a unique blend of knowledge wisdom modalities mm-hmm. so I'm excited for this conversation okay and yeah and I love actually love the the scene behind you too your home is incredible <laughs> thank you it's been a work in progress it's got some uh, nooks and crannies we're still building out but um, yeah it's you know sanctuary space so we put a lot of intention into the environment that we spend the most time in and it's rewarding that way yeah yeah well it's and you live in new orleans right yes we are in new orleans originally from the pacific northwest central washington state and then we uh, made the transition into los angeles california in 2012 and we spent eight years in california and come late of the year 2020 we were kind of well into Everything that was taking place inside of the world, we decided to just sort of do a leap of faith. We, my husband and I have been married for 27 years and we are empty nesters. We've got two grown children. And so it was just like, you know, the way that life was sort of playing out for everyone at that time, things just felt so uncertain. And we were just like, let's do something different. So we did. And we moved to New Orleans, Louisiana. And, you know, it's it's a whole thing to move to the South when you're a West Coast person. Um, but I'm kind of a firm believer of exploring the world that you don't know in order to you know, see what activates within you and how it evolves you as a person and opens up your mind when you're seeing parts of the country that are so entirely different than what your neck of the woods was like. Um, So it's been a very valuable experience. We have loved um, just all of the growing that has come through it. We love our home. We love our neighborhood. And it's been a fun exploration of the South. It's It's a vibe. The South is a vibe. I love that. And I love what you said about opening yourself and exploring Mm -hmm. spaces and places that are unfamiliar or uh, much different than where you've lived before, or even different than the culture that you come Mm -hmm. from, because it's, I've driven across the country, well, from St. Louis to LA multiple times now, and to see parts of the South, to see, you know, the way people live across mm-hmm. the country is it's just so expansive you know it's so valuable and i feel like it helps give us some 
context uh, around what this country looks like, you know, and the, you know, especially it's an election year, right? So it's like, it's good to expand our consciousness and our awareness and step out of our comfort zone in those ways. I feel like everyone should do that at some point, you know? Yeah, it really is powerful. Like people, the human relationship, how we form bonds with people, how we even interact with strangers, all the subtleties and nuances and, you know, how being an adult and then putting yourself into an environment where, you know, no one coming into it, um, how that forces you to change, evolve, grow, expand in order to interact and meet people where they are, where they are building new relationships. I think so many people have a hard time building new relationships as they get older. And that to me, is, you know, a sign that they need to be proactive in that exercise, because we get so pulled up into what's comfortable, what's safe, um, the friendships that reinforce our belief systems, you know, things like that, that, you know, when you step outside of that, and you kind of make yourself very vulnerable, it just, you know, it's an opportunity to really learn about not only other people, but yourself. And it's interesting because you and I had um, connected and were discussing like, you know, Saturn and Aquarius in terms of the astrological um, foundations of everything that's taking place in the sign of Aquarius right now, the narrative or not the narrative, but the axis point, the polarity between Leo and Aquarius. And it really does embody um, the learning lessons that both of those signs hold inside of our natal chart who we are as an individual versus who we are inside of a community. And, you know, you really learn a lot about yourself when you take yourself out of the community that you're comfortable in and put yourself into a community that is completely new and very, very, very different. So while you were saying that we had an earthquake. (laughs) Yes, Yes. It's been one of those days, girl. Girl, you are. Uh, you're in a you're a powerful force number one um but literally that was the biggest earthquake I've ever felt in LA seriously the whole microphone was shaking we'll have to look back at the video because it was trippy that is wild well and yesterday and I I, this isn't necessarily relevant I mean that's wild but yesterday last night I went on to alive um, on Instagram, which is new to me. It's, it's a media or medium that I'm exploring with my small network on social media. And um, like almost like over 50% of the participants um, basically like got kept getting kicked off and glitches. And there's just, I don't know, there's activity in the air. I don't know what it is. is. There's activity in the air. There is. And we're recording this on a new moon in, in Aquarius. Yes. And I know you were just talking about the access uh, of Leo and Aquarius, and it's something we will be deep within, you know, over the next 20 years, of course, with Pluto being there. And um, I, yeah, I just love what you mentioned about community because I feel like we get stuck in these echo chambers, mm-hmm. you know, and I think it's human nature to seek out people of the same value system, mm-hmm. right? But there's, we're, we're evolving as a human species, hopefully, you know, I think we are evolving as a human species and moving out of our comfort zones and zooming out and witnessing things from more of the eagle's eye perspective and being able to see what's actually occurring and the value in 
you know, walking in, an, in another's shoes, you know, or having experiences that are not experiences you would naturally have, that's real expansion. You know, it feels like that's truly where we grow and where we heal. As yeah, it's very, um, you know, it, it just really plays on themes of individuality and kind of testing the framework of individuality. I sit a lot with it because it's like, we live in a culture that to me, from my perspective, and at least how I observe our culture, it's um, very individualistic. You know what I mean? It's all about who is doing what, how they stand apart. And it's even like it kind of ventures into what I call specialitis in quotations, like how am I special? How am I unique? What are my gifts? And it starts to really play on these themes that, especially, you know, when we're dealing with a culture that really revolves itself around things like social media and how, you know, the individuals are now becoming media platforms in of themselves. It used to be that we all collectively surrounded ourselves around one or two forms of media. And now each individual is becoming a form of media that we're all consuming. So it's, it's perpetuating this sense of how do I stand apart? How do I stand apart? And when I kind of stand back and observe that as a whole, you really have to begin to question, is this healthy? Is this serving a greater good? Is this, you know, it's like people are, is it supportive of mental health? Is it supportive of these themes that we're all trying to heal within ourselves? It's like, it, it becomes a, a dance of a very fine line and a slippery slope at that, because I almost feel like in this day and age that we are stepping into our individual purpose is going to be less important. And it's more about how we can come together as a collective. And I think this is the age of Aquarius that everyone is talking about. Um, It is that sense of, it's not who you are as an individual. It's standing together with the community and who you are as an individual just doesn't matter. It's about for the greater good and what that requires, that shedding of the ego and the shedding of that individual nature, the specialitis that so many people have been caught up in for so long that they don't even really know who they are um, outside of that artifice, you know, and this is why people feel so isolated and people feel so disconnected. It's like, you know, it's a, it's a dance that we're all going to have to really explore and step into. And part of the nature of that dance is stepping away from how we're different and instead looking towards all the ways that we are the same. So, you know, my experience of moving to the South and being around people who are so incredibly different than me, it forces me to find out all the ways that I am like them versus unlike them. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. I feel like you touched on so many points that have been things I've been sitting with as well. And just the, how rapidly we've shifted into this, this specialitis culture, which I love that term. It's so great. (laughs) So great. But it's true because I, you know, I feel like we are all on our own little Island with our own brand Mm -hmm. projecting that out and Mm -hmm waiting for people to choose us. Right. And that is so isolating. That feels so disconnected and it's really breeding a quite avoidant culture as well, as far as connection, you know, as far as attachment. And it's, it's 
it's the root of so much suffering and mm-hmm. isolation and and covid didn't help right because we were all isolated and then we formed these brands and these identities and it is it's sort of like a, the hard shell of the ego which is which you know can be very detrimental to our health so mm-hmm. yeah i mean and it's it it just it's like this this idea that when you step back and really observe the narrative that is being pushed and the narrative that is being you know played out in front of us you you can kind of see starting in I don't know, kind of going back into even like 2015, 2016, building up to 2020, how we were all in these kind of exciting places of opportunities of being a self-employed business person and being able to use social media to get your brand out and how that felt exciting and how that felt like a possibility. And so many people were able to build these really organic, big, healthy platforms in that time. And then we hit this giant wall. And then the pandemic hit, the isolation hit, people really dug into that. And now we're sort of in these, um, these, like, we're all these individual pillars inside of these communities where we're not really interacting with one another. And instead, we're standing as an individual and like individualistic. And what there's just a downfall with that, because is what happens is it starts to pit people against one another and you start to see people as your competition or start seeing people as your enemy. And once again, it starts to really play on the psychology of the human. I say all the time that humans, you know, our biggest kryptonite is influence and how we're so easily influenced by the people that we surround ourselves with, the media that gets pushed um, onto us, the food we consume, um, just every layer and ounce of our environments the clothes we put on our body, everything has this influence over us. And when people aren't aware of it, they are making themselves very vulnerable of getting caught up into narratives and paradigms that, you know, basically they are no longer sovereign in their own way of thinking. And they are being basically just kind of swept into this, you know, narrative that's being pushed upon us and how deceptive that can be and how it can lead us astray and it can kind of hit us against one another. And now we're looking at the opposing end. We're in the ending, entering an election year. And now it's my person that I choose versus the, the person that you choose. And now we're in constant conflict. We have wars going on in the world. Same thing, people taking to these oppositions. And it's like, really, if you just let go of all of that, you realize that we're, you know, we're being played. Oh my God. We are. We got to, we got to step back from that. And, you know, it's like talking about Saturn, you know, astrology is designed for many, many, many things. And one of the things that people want to use it for is for self-awareness and self-development and kind of learning how to observe themselves instead of being in their lives. They're able to look at this chart and see certain placements and be able to separate and become an observer and learn, you know, it's like, oh man, I can see that about me and I can see that. But, you know, if we take ourselves out of that observational natal chart, this is where my moon's at. This is where my rising sign is. This is about me. This is who I am. And we actually just take ourselves out of it and look at it. Like this is a map that I was given and I need to learn how to work with it. 
because the key is to sort of overcome some of these things. Because when I think about influence and all my little, the rabbit hole, I just kind of went down talking about how vulnerable, vulnerable we are to influence. Our natal chart can be its own influence on us. (laughs) You know what I mean? To where it's like, it's, it can have that same power over us where it's like, well, I'm a cancer moon. So I'm destined to be this type of individual. And it's like, no, no, it just means that you have a propensity to cancer moon themes, but it's up to you to master those themes and how Saturn, when you look at the natal chart and step into the power of Saturn, that's really what he's trying to teach us. You know, he's trying to teach us the discipline, the discernment, the, um, the the ability to stand within your own power and not allow influence to enter your field and to be able to insert critical thinking. You know, Saturn is the one that's teaching mastery. So it's like there's a lot to learn from your natal chart. But more importantly, there's a lot to learn from the Saturn in your natal chart in terms of stepping into your personal power so you're no longer under the influence of the narrative and the paradigm that's being placed upon you. I love your devotion to Saturn because mm-hmm. I know I know you've mentioned before that it it was it's been some it's been this school mm-hmm. I guess you could say uh that you've been in for the last few years and but I know for myself it's something I've rebelled against for a very long time. I've always you know, I think I, in the beginning of my life, like the first quarter of it, it was a lot around um, obeying Mm -hmm. rather than finding discipline, you know, Mm -hmm. and I was just obeying the systems, the, the, the structures that I grew up within and just following this tunnel, you know, Mm -hmm. and then through my maturation, I feel like I'm, I'm gaining a fondness for Saturn that wasn't there before. I also have it conjunct Uranus at 27 degrees Sagittarius. So there's Mm -hmm. this like almost push and pull, you know, that I have with Saturn. It's over the galactic center too, which is something you were, you pointed out for me, which Mm -hmm. is so has been really fun to explore, but it's, I'd love for you to share a little bit about your Saturn practice, your, Mm -hmm. your devotion to Saturn and how it's helped shape your life and how you you've moved through and into this um, blossoming relationship with it. Yeah. You know, it's like I started learning astrology. My practice led me to astrology. I was, I'm, I, I refer to myself as an occultist, meaning that I study hidden knowledge and that's really my pursuit and my passion um, because I feel like hidden knowledge is being used all around us all of the time And the more you can learn about it, the more you can identify when certain things are taking place around you that you can, that is going to behoove you to be aware of. So it was through the practice of, you know, studying traditional concepts that led me to astrology. I really knew nothing about astrology when I first learned it. I signed up for a course. It was an eight week class. And it was a modern astrology um, course. I didn't know that there were differences. But as soon as I started in into um, the study of modern astrology, I was continuing my study through occult philosophy and the mystery traditions. And it came, it became very aware to me that I needed to, um, that basically where I was trying to bridge astrology with my current practice was in the ancient form, so traditional astrology. So I then began studying traditional astrology. And 
Saturn, the difference, the main distinction between modern and traditional is that when we talk about the 12 signs, we apply seven planetary rulers to the 12 signs. In modern astrology, we have 12 signs and there are 10 planetary rulers to the 12 signs. So they're including Uranus, Pluto, Neptune, all three planets, which weren't discovered until, you know, the early part of the 20th century. So it's like, you know, they, it just kind of, there's a, there's a big distinction. So in my practice, Saturn rules Aquarius and not Uranus. So Saturn rules Capricorn, Saturn rules Aquarius. And so when I sit with my chart and I see where my natal Saturn is at, and I see where my Aquarius placement is, and I see where my Capricorn placement is, some very important parts of my charts. And so I, you know, as I began developing my own understanding of my own chart in accordance to traditional astrology, and this also coincides with transits taking place and watching, I was basically entering a major Saturn transit um, when I was creating the separation between modern and traditional and being deep in my own practice. And this is when Saturn was uh, transiting Capricorn. So I, my chart has a lot of cardinal placements in it. In particular, it has a five planet Libra stellium. So there is a lot of tension between Capricorn and Libra in my chart. So I was facing this intense Saturn transit and I was scared. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it's Saturn and you read about Saturn. It's just this big bad guy that makes your life fall apart. And I was like, well, this doesn't sound like very much fun. And um, so I went through the transit. And of course, we also had Pluto and Capricorn. And I have a very Plutonic chart um, in general, just the way that it's Pluto is aspected by every planet in my chart. So I have wow. a heavily aspected Pluto. And so it's, you know, it's just this intense chart to begin with, facing this intense transit with Saturn. And I went through it. I faced all of the transits. I really paid attention to how they manifested in my life. I tried to think about it as abstractly as possible. And this sort of started to begin to shape how I have an ability to be proactive with my astrology. Before, I was worried that I was going to be a victim to the astrology so that Saturn was going to happen to me and I had no say. So this started me down a plan, what is called planetary remediation, planetary devotion. And this actually stems out of some traditional concepts, particularly with astrological magic, because astrological magic is a connection to the planets and you are you know, working with electional windows and you are doing devotions to the planets and it's to kind of draw down and pull down planetary energy into talismanic creations. That is what, in a, you know, in a very rough nutshell, that is what astrological magic is. But the other vein is through the Vedic um, tradition. And it's really through the Geodish and the Vedic traditions that you find these major devotionals to the planets and how they practice, you know, offerings and they would have temples and they have their deities that represent the particular planet and they interact and they pray. And so they really give a lot of weight to devotional work. So I decided that that's how I was going to work from that point on with difficult transits. So then I didn't have to feel afraid or intimidated, or at least it made me think I had some influence over my 
own life versus me being vulnerable to these external influences or how I was perceiving them. So that action in of itself is really what started to lay the foundations of my understanding of how you can actually sit in a devotional state with these lessons and you don't even have to think of them as planets or transits or signs. You can just literally think about Saturn as being the lesson of self-mastery, of discipline, of perseverance, of hard work. You know, Saturn being this old, icy planet that sort of rules the tail end of our cosmos. You know, the seven personal planets, we have the sun being the center. We have us being Earth. We have our moon as our satellite. And then we have Saturn that sits at the very end of um, that chain of commands And I like to think of the moon, you know, she's got her front forward face that is always in reflection of the sun. So when we're looking at the night sky, it's wherever the moon is at and whatever face she's in shows you her relationship to the sun. And then they talk about the dark side of the moon. So the nature of these kind of deeper philosophies, occult philosophies is like the dark side of the moon is her relationship with Saturn. So it's like you have the sun being the life force and vitality And then you have the polarity, that duality of light and dark as as being Saturn's influence and how you need the two in order to create balance and in order to create understanding and ultimately to create growth and a perpetuation of um, our humanness, how you can't have just all good, confident, beautiful, solar, optimistic, blessing, prosperity prosperous energy of the sun without having the consequences of Saturn to help balance that those things and help, you know, guide us towards equilibrium and to prevent us from becoming, you know, so solar that we just do not evolve as humans. Like there's this sense of consequence and this is a part of our reality. Like we can't get out of some of these rules, no matter how hard we try. And when you really sit down, you can see that those constructs are a duality between Saturn and the sun. Wow. That's fascinating. And I I love that you touched on the, you know, the difference between modern and traditional astrology, because that's something that there's just so much richness in, in honoring the traditions and honoring the past and pulling from these different modalities that you have found helpful, you know, throughout Mm -hmm. your journey and the richness that is found in the dark spaces and the richness Mm -hmm. that is found in the challenge Mm -hmm. and the self-discipline and the self-responsibility and the ownership over how we're interacting with life, because we can either be a victim to it, right. And just sort of let the waves wash over us and, feel like life is happening to us. And I I did a whole episode about this last week because it's something I've been examining within my own experiences where I'm falling victim to my lived experiences. And, you know, yeah, like looking at Pluto in my chart and being like, why, you know, instead of seeing it as, you know, an opportunity, but there's so much power and beauty that we can find in confronting and honoring the the Saturn, you know, yeah. honoring the challenge, honoring the um, the grit that comes with self-mastery. And I feel like we, you know, in our culture, we're all just trying to get these fast, quick hits. It's it's dopamine hits. It's, 
getting rich quick, you know, the, I mean, there's like a five-year-old or something that's like a, makes $2 million a day on YouTube or something, you know, and it's, you know, while, while there's like beauty in that, right. Because there's more wealth um, available to people and uh, there's more opportunity, but there's so much opportunity that's found in going into those challenging spaces to really honor the medicine that comes from it. And so I love that you're that you're talking about this and discussing it because I feel like when we move from that space of victim consciousness to ownership, that's where the real empowerment comes in. Exactly. And it's like, it's funny that it's like we bring up or you brought up like a, a young, this very young child earning $2 million and how that's, that is this thing, you know, even something like the the paradigm of money, it's very Saturnian. And because when you think about what money is, how do we acquire it? How do we, you know, what are our responsibilities with it? You know, everything, how people kind of step into these, um, I don't even know, quite know what to call it. It's, it's almost feels like they become something other than what they are people when they step into large amounts of wealth it's like all of a sudden they become like wildly influenced by all of this money and it's interesting because saturn is the consequence of money so therefore it's like anyone who's ever had any kind of money in their bank account before sometimes it's almost it feels more overwhelming or more like more responsibility is activated within us because now we're having to maintain this money. We got to watch this money, right? We've got to invest this money. Well, we've got to do something with this money. What am I going to do with all this money, money? And it's like, we crave money because it allows us so many, you know, so much pleasure and, and so much freedom. And we're able to kind of do all these kind of amazing things with money. But at the same time, Anybody who's ever stepped into a large amounts of money will reveal to you how incredibly burdensome it can be. And this is why we see things where people will win large sums of money in the lottery and they become broke within, you know, five or 10 years or how all of a sudden all everyone wants to borrow from them. And it becomes almost a, uh, it becomes a very Saturnian energy in our life when we have money that we have to be doing something with and then it also steps into the test and this is what I love about exploring the astrology with tarot cards if people if your listeners are into working with tarot particularly the Rider Waite Smith it's a really whole deck and how it um, connects to astrology it just fits like a glove but saturn rules capricorn and saturn rules aquarius so we have the world card which is represented by saturn and then we have the devil card which is represented by capricorn and we have the star card which is represented by aquarius and how saturn rules both of them and when you look at the devil card it's bondage you know it's bondage through the material realm and how we are seeking so much materialism. And that is the narrative that's being influenced upon us. We're being pushed and driven to consume and acquire. People are being encouraged to hoard wealth, even though people are hungry and there's poverty all around us and people are, you know, dealing with so much, you know, broken schools and et cetera. It's like, 
how we have these major imbalances with money and, you know, everything that comes with money. And then you look at the star card, which is Aquarius, which is the sign and the card that comes directly after the devil card. And it is this, you know, naked, liberated female pouring water back into the pools. And in the devil card, the two people, the two, there's a female and a male, and they are bound to the devil. There's a chain around their neck and they look very comfortable because there's, you know, they're getting pleasure and enjoyment from this thing that they are bound to, but there is a liberation and a freedom that's coming in from the star card. And because she's pouring the water back into the well, it is the notion that what you acquire in this lifetime, you are supposed to give away. It is the nature of acquisition. And then it is the nature the the discipline and the detachment of taking what you've acquired and sharing it and redistributing it out into the world to the people that need it. Because much of what we acquire in this lifetime, you know, tending back to the specialitis, we think it's because of we're special. We think it's because we've done so well. We think it's because, you know, we're so smart and we're so this and we deserve it. And when in actuality, you know, all you have to do is hang out with a marginalized group of people and you realize really quick that they are equally special. They are equally deserving. But just because of the nature and the construct of our society, there is just no way that certain people can obtain the same things that others can. And that is the reality. So how do we as humans once again bridge that um, the, the test of Saturn, because that's the test. It's like, okay, I'm going to give you this, but what are you going to do with it? Are you going to share it and redistribute it back into the world? Are you going to do good with it? Or are you going to hoard it and not do good things with it? I mean, it's, you know, it's the test. And this is the nature of what so many religions you know, much of their fundamentals are trying to teach, you know, this is why they encourage people to, you know, be of service to others and to separate themselves, you know, from their resources. When you observe the religions, you can see Saturn inside of all of them. But of course, you know, everything has its level of corruption. And that's Saturn too, the test of Saturn. So it's, you know, it's a thing, but this is the navigation and the reality in which we live in. If we look at it as a test and as a level of mastery that we are, we've been given the opportunity to take a stab at and what comes as a result of that mastery and passing those tests, they can all really be examined through the teachings of Saturn. I feel like it's a lot of what we're seeking. I think that there's a void space, you know, in our culture and not even just the Western culture, but, you know, other cultures. We're sort of, you know, we have more than we've ever had mm-hmm. and we're unhappy, you know, generally, I should say that not everyone, of course, but there's something missing. And I think so much of what it what is missing is this this sense of duty and fulfillment and um, our place within the world. You know, now that we're all out on these little pillars, these little islands, it's sort of like, well, what is, what's the purpose of life if I'm just sitting on this island alone? And it might not be in their 
you know, in our consciousness yet, but that's what it is. But this, it's all about balance, right? And balancing, you know, expansion and um, opportunity and abundance with structure and with discipline and with the the beauty that can come from having, you know, space to grow, but also having a sense of anchoring and tethering to the earth and tethering yeah. to each other, you know, to the collective. And um, you're right. I think when you mentioned uh, having more money, it doesn't fix issues. Like I know that and I've seen that play out. And I always tell people, you know, you have to get to the roots of why you're doing what you're doing, why you're working so hard, what you're creating, what you're chasing and mm-hmm. heal your connection with that connection with self, your connection with money. Otherwise, mm-hmm. the more money you get, it's still laying on the same framework, you know? Absolutely. And it feeds something, you know, it's like when we think about the seven sins versus the seven virtues, it's like, it's all a part of the game. You know, it's like, it's all a part of the test and how, you know, you can start building things that are either going to feed your virtue or they're going to feed your sin. And this isn't, you know, just a biblical reference. This is the duality and the polarity of this world and that we live in. This is the construct of it. It's all about good versus evil. And of course, those are dramatic words and those are kind of (laughs) biblical words. But at the same time, it is this idea that you can be given something and you can either turn it into wisdom and service and to help your community, or you can take it and use it for self-interest and to oppress others with it. You know, this is the the biblical narrative of knowledge and the tree of knowledge. It's like, why was knowledge evil? Like, let's just ask, why would knowledge be evil? Well, it's because knowledge can either be used to educate and to help and to serve others in order to get everyone kind of lifted up, or knowledge can be used as a weapon. You know, it's like it can be withheld from other people and then used as a form of power. I obtain the knowledge and you can only acquire this thing from me and it gives people a sense of power. Once again, it's good versus evil. You know, nuclear energy was was discovered and can you know, could technically, you know, free the world from various forms of petrol and other um, very environmentally hazardous ways of you know, providing electricity and providing energy, but yet instead it was used for a weapon. It's used for, you know, fear mongering. It's used for potentially to massively destruct humanity or, you know, whatever they, whatever they (laughs) have plans or intentions of using it for. But that my point being is that things can either be good, used for good, used for service, used to help, or they can be used for self-interest and for to elevate an individual's form of power. And, you know, none of it's a value judgment. That's the other thing. It's like through Saturn's teachings, it's like, it's not me to judge you for the choices that you make. I have no interest in, in judging you for the choices that you make, but it is your karma. And when you think about astrology through the evolutionary um, lens of it, the entire chart is karmic. And so it's like, what karma are you bringing into this lifetime? And what does that mean? And what does it mean if you're given all of these, 
you know, uh, fortunes in this lifetime and you don't do anything good with it, what does that mean for the next incarnation? Like, it's like, I feel like if humans really thought in that vein, they would behave differently in their life, you know? Oh my gosh, completely. Yeah, it's it's interesting because, you know, when we think about everything as energy, you're exactly right. It's 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 either it's feeding something, right? And it's magnifying or amplifying something. And so money's the same way. And yeah. you know, intention is the same way. And and when if we're feeding the wounds, you know, or the darkness, how whatever we want to call it really, um, it's going to create more of that. You know, so we get to choose how, what charge we apply to things, you know, and that's a lot of power. It is. And it's really, you know, it's, it's about the evolution of, of existence and of mankind and of where we're going. We're feeding a thing. We're going in a direction. And I think that what we're all craving in this world at the core, I feel like human conditions are all the same. We all want community, companionship. We want to be able to relate to people as our authentic self. We want health. We want security and safety for our children. We want um, to know that our needs, our primary needs are met. Like there is this sense, we all are so human at our core and we all share these same desires. It's like, you know, how we end up being so estranged from each other through this process is radical to me. Like, and once again, it's not a value judgment and it's just more of an observation of like, how do we become so separate? You know, it's like observing people who have, you know, so much wealth and there's just, there's nothing that they're doing with it um, on a community level. And then you have people who are so poor and there's, they would give you the what they had, you know what I mean? Like there's just such a, I don't know, it's a strange, um, it's a strange part of our reality that it's really hard to reconcile. But I'm constantly just reminding myself that this is a part of the lesson and this is a part of the human evolution and the testing of our souls and the evolution of our souls and where we're going and, you know, the lessons that we're learning along the way. And it's just, it's a part of the construct, but I just really encourage people to sit with um, the lessons of Saturn in terms of, you know, it's not just what you acquire, but it's what you're doing with, with what you receive through your acquisition, that it's not just how much you can get. It is what you do with it. That really counts. And nothing is going to feel better Nothing in this world will feel better than you offering your service or what you have or what you can share with others to others. You know what I mean? Like that is the healing. Like that is where you will find the most joy, the most fulfillment and the most peace. And you will find everyone is seeking these heart opening experiences. Well, that's the heart opening experience. You know, it's like be of service to other people and offer your assistance with whatever you can share. If you've cultivated your talents and your gifts and your voice, if you've cultivated, you know, wealth and prosperity and abundance, it's like, what are you doing to help and serve others with it? And that's where you're going to find everything that you're seeking. 
It, it It's completely true. And I think it's the disconnect we've, it, there's something in the spiritual wellness, self-development community that I've noticed over the last, you know, five to 10 years is this, there's almost a duality that this, it's almost a paradox, I guess, because uh-huh. it's sort of this focus on self-development on, uh-huh. you know, even like the relational and attachment work, it's, it's become so avoidant uh-huh. of connection, like real yeah. true connection and service and giving. Sure. And something I wanted to talk with you about is the sort of the, the relationship between Capricorn and Aquarius. Mm-hmm. They're both ruled by Saturn in traditional astrology. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of what we're seeing, because Aquarius is such a focus right now this year, mm-hmm. of course, we have Pluto, you know, um, dancing back, it's been dancing back and forth between Capricorn and Aquarius for, you know, over a year. And now we're at the end of this year, it's, we're experiencing its full clicking mm-hmm. in, you know, to Aquarius. And in traditional astrology, both of those signs are ruled by Saturn. Um, mm-hmm. We talk a lot about the Uranian qualities of Aquarius a lot. Mm-hmm. I'd love for you to speak to the Saturnian qualities of Aquarius and Capricorn and how we see that shift playing out, you know, collectively, even individually. Yeah. Um, there's a couple ways that you can go about looking at it. I love I I love sort of poking at the idea that Aquarius rules, or I mean that Uranus rules Aquarius. And the reason is, is because I view Uranus as more of a higher octave of Mercury and how Mercury is this, you know, it's the, the psychopomp, the planet that's, you know, flies in between worlds. It is the mind, it is the intellect, it is our ability to process information and knowledge Ultimately, technology as a whole is an extension of Mercury and people want to apply technology to Aquarius. And I just I just just really disagree with that comparison Um, and to each their own. You can make it work. But my perspective is, is that when we're dealing with Uranian constructs or Uranian people, These are the people that are trying to break out of social structures that are trying to break out. And these are the people that are going to rub up against Saturnian structures. These are the rebels. Saturn isn't a rebel. And if you've ever really examined Aquarians, they're not particularly rebellious. What sets them apart in a Uranian way is that these individuals stay very true to themselves, meaning that they are not influenced by trend. They are not influenced by the pack mentality. They kind of are able to stand very, and this is so Saturnian, like they are able to sort of stay very true to what they want to do, their thoughts, their beliefs. I mean, with Aquarius, it's fixed air and it's masculine in nature. So just the fixidity of of Aquarius, to me, really presses up against the Uranian um, the re- Uranian application to it. It's it's fixed. And so what is fixed air? Like to me, I see it as being air that is confined within a cube. 
You know, it's like when you think about air, cardinal air, movement, sight, height, loft, like there's an openness to it. When you think about mutable air, there is this fast paced, like ability to maneuver quickly um, with that mute, the nature of the mutable, mutable signs. But fixed air is air that has boundaries around it. So with boundaries, anything that has to do with boundaries is Saturn's domain. So when we think about Aquarius as a fixed masculine air sign ruled by Saturn, it is people who are going to always stay true to their inner voice, their inner compass, their instinct, and they are not going to allow influence to um, basically break through their mental boundaries. They tend to be stubborn. They tend to be a little weird because they don't follow trends. They are not Venusian in nature of like, you know, being, you know, being able to pivot with the crowd, they will rub up against the crowd because they refuse to kind of blend. There's just a lack of immersion with Saturnian people. You know, it's like some people are really immersive. They can put themselves in any situation and they can adapt and shape shift. And with Aquarians, they always have that lack of immersion. And so people think that they are these rebels, but really it's more that they have very solid boundaries in their um just how they interact through the the quality the elements of air they they tend to be dry like they have that dry sense of humor they tend to be a little aloof like they're not going to laugh at, their, at everyone's jokes if the joke <laughs> isn't funny they're going to be dead face like so that's true it's so true and there's this like there's the cuteness in their dryness you know what i mean to where it's like there's just, there's something so unique about them because we're all so conditioned as a culture to be very appeasing to other people and to make them feel comfortable and laugh at all their jokes and make them feel good about themselves. But Saturnian people, Aquarian people, they just could care less. (laughs) They could care less. They don't, they just don't bend in that way. So that's how I view Aquarius. And when we think about it in the 11th house, You know, when you think about the wheel as an Aries rising wheel, it puts it in the 11th house. Aquarius rules collectives, the community, um, sort of an extension of the tent. So it's our colleagues. It's the people that we meet out in the world. Um, It's also the house in traditional astrology of hopes and dreams, which is an interesting thing to think about how we find our hopes and our dreams through the nature of the collective, whereas you would think hope, think that hopes and dreams land in the 10th, but it's actually the 11th. It's through other people somehow that we find ourselves. Um, but, you know, with the nature of it being collect, connected to the collective, it really is supposed to be teaching you how to stay true to yourself, you know, and if every single person was staying true to the collective and not being influenced by other things, they would be able to unite as a whole. So uniting with other people does not mean that you have to compromise yourself for them. It does not mean codependency is what it means is you are you, I am me, and we are choosing to come together for the same goal and for the same common good. It's maintaining sovereignty in the collective, but it's through that sovereignty and that lack of individuality or specialitis 
that allows people to come together and say like, we are friends. We are, we, we are different. We have different beliefs. Maybe we have different, you know, values. We look different. However you would like to channel the differences beyond that we are still the same and we can come together and we can unite. And that's that power of Saturn. And that is that power that Saturn gives you in Aquarius. It's like sovereignty, independence, but yet our emotions are not in this game. We are coming together and we're uniting as a community. I like to think of it a lot too, in terms of Orthodox community or even tribal communities. When we think about what a hot mess any type of intentional community has ever turned into <laughs> like the cults and things <laughs> where like people like end up, it turns and ends up turning into like Lord of the flies behavior. It's like, these are people who are individuals that are trying to come together and do this thing as a collectivity, but they end up fighting with each other and they end up, you know, arguing and who's doing this and what's doing that. And they end up becoming very combative. We used to watch like reality shows back in the nineties where it's like, they would put groups of people together and they would have to battle it out. Right. Real world. Right. Yes. Or like survivor, you know, and we watch these kind of uh, social experiments play out right in front of us. And it's like, that's a, that's what happens with humans when they're too far into their Leo aspect, their individual individuality aspect. But when you could find the individuals that could actually come together, put their individual needs aside and work together, that is that Aquarian aspect. It's like, it's the community aspect. It is how Orthodox communities, when I think about um, like the Amish, the Mennonites, the, the people who are, have been able to maintain kind of their identity um, separate from the, from the, I don't know, the institution, so to speak, but they're able to maintain it with somewhat success, you know, because it's longevity. Um, They all dress the same. They all look the same. There is no emphasis on individuality. It is like they identify as a collective. So these are the lessons that you see um, that you can really kind of examine when you're wanting to think about Saturn and Aquarius and how it rules collective thoughts and how we have to put our individual natures aside sometimes and just step into what is needing to be done and how to serve each other in order to come together. So that's how I view Saturn in Aquarius. In terms of Saturn in um, Capricorn, like we all have to acquire things. It's a weird thing about our human construct, like we have to build things. It's like, we're here to build things. And that is our purpose almost like we are building businesses. We are building homes. We are building structures. We are building, um, you know, families. We are, it's just communities. It goes on and on and on. And there's something about that Capricorn nature of building foundations, building acquisition, gaining, growth, and how we are all kind of forming this, I don't know, mountain, so to speak, that requires our efforts and our hard work and putting our nose to the grindstone. But there's always the shadow side of that, which is once again, not being able to see the greater good or the greater purpose and getting too focused in um, the individual nature of ourselves and, and how it starts to build 
that sense of acquisition for my own self-interest and how it can turn into the the dark side of Capricorn, which is, you know, greed or um, status or power, all of those kind of, we, we got that nature, we got that understanding with Pluto's time in Aquarius or in, uh, in Capricorn, like we started to really see the underbellies of, you know, um, just wealth and what it does and sort of, you know, the darker constructs of our financial structures here in the United States, and I'm sure across the world, but it's, it's, it's a very, um, it's a fine line. So Saturn is trying to teach us how hard work, you build things, you can grow things, you can acquire things through also, um, you know, when you think about the discipline that Saturn, you know, that Saturn in, influences us with inside of our natal charts it's like you know if you want to acquire more money you have to become disciplined with money you know what i mean and how you have to build you know a a good relationship with money you know saturn unfortunately teaches us the thing that many people get uncomfortable with which is 90 percent of your problems could be fixed if you apply discipline to them you know no one likes to hear that i don't like to hear that but it is really the truth. You know, it's like if you have money issues, chances are you need to learn to build more discipline with money and not spend money or not, um, you know, kind of be loosey goosey with your money and be a lot more focused and intentional with it. So Saturn teaches us how to um, he teaches us how to have better relationships with everything in our life. But it's all through that vein of discipline. Oh my gosh. That's so great. My six planets in Capricorn boyfriend would agree. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime we're, you know, discussing something, you know, something I I'm working that. on. Yes. Something I'm working on, something he's working on. It always boils down to discipline, you know, for him. Yeah. He's like, well, you just do it. You know, you yeah. just, you commit to it. You figure out the systems to get there. And he's so, he's been so helpful for me in that way because I, I'm very flighty and, you know, yeah. I can sort of float off and, I, I do agree. There's, it's just such a beautiful maturational threshold. I feel like between mm-hmm. Capricorn and Aquarius in this space of examining Saturn there in particular mm-hmm. and where it's really needed, you know, mm-hmm. along in, um, along the wheel of the Zodiac and yeah. where in order to really up level in order to enter the next stage of evolution, we have to include discipline, Yeah, you know, like the importance of it. And I feel like it's something we're just kind of you know, I think that we've had in a societal, through a societal lens, like, you know, discipline's always been there. Saturn has always been there. You think about its influence on the church, for example, like you've discussed, it's it's very Saturnian and there's so much sort of devotion and discipline involved in mm-hmm. the practices, but I feel like we're reinventing it in a way. You know what I no, mean? No, we are. Yeah. For sure. I mean, and, and a lot of you know, a, a lot of people have, you know, kind of certain views and certain takes on various orthodox or religious practices. And, and it's put, you know, they put a lot of bad taste. A lot of people have religious trauma. They were raised in a family that was religious and they have a lot of trauma from it. There's a lot of real dark things that have come out of those practices. But if you can kind of peel them all apart and really just sort of discern down at the down into the core principles, you know, you can see that there is value in those practices and there is value in upholding, um, 
you know, the virtues that Saturn teaches and the virtues that these Orthodox practices teach, you know, it's like the upholding of structure, the upholding of, you know, traditions, the upholding of abstinence, trying to abstain from things and how like we're getting ready to come up on Lent here. Um, I live in New Orleans and we are in full fledged Mardi Gras swing, which is (laughs) sort of this parade, this festival that is all about purging, like embellishing your demons. I'm putting that into air quotations, but like just going a little hog wild. And then it's right before leading up to Lent, where then you're then stepping into the practice of discipline and abstinence and purifying the body and getting the body prepared for Aries season, which is stepping through the threshold and being born again, you know? And it's like, how just these practices in of themselves, even if you're not a religious person, how it can benefit you to where it helps keep moderation in your life. You know, it's like, it's fine to eat donuts, but you just can't eat donuts every single day. You know what I mean? You got to learn how to put the donuts down and now it's time to eat the salad or now it's time to drink the water and now it's time to do the exercise and, and how, we've gotten into a a culture and a society where everything is so easy and everything is so attainable for us. And with the phones and devices, everything is right at our fingertips and how it just makes us more and more and more complacent and how it makes us more and more, you know, less active and getting a little softer and uh, having a little less boundaries around things. And then we find ourselves consuming things that then perpetuate that into deeper and deeper forms of consumption, whether it be physical or mental consumption and how Saturn Saturnian practices, Orthodox practices can really help pull you out of that and set you into like, okay, now I'm going to abstain from these things. I'm going to, you know, practice some very healthy disciplines for a period of time and how that can keep, you know, the moderation, the equilibrium, you know, in our health, in our wellness, um, in a much better, more balanced space than just allowing, you know, the path of least resistance to always greet you with whatever your desires are. Yeah. I love that. I've found in my own personal life that I am, I experience more fulfillment and more joy when I do something that's difficult, oh, you know, for sure. and I complete something that's difficult and I, and it, it doesn't even have to be that it's self-serving, right? It can just be something that I really didn't want to do that mm-hmm. I might not reap benefits from, but is just something I committed to. And, um, there's, we oftentimes avoid the spaces that are challenging or difficult. And what that leads to is just self-indulgence and detachment from, our center point detachment from reality and complacency, like you discussed. And I just feel like there's so much beauty in honoring traditions and honoring um, commitments and showing up for the things that are difficult because one, it teaches all of the parts within you that you're in your higher adult self, that you're capable, that you're strong. It builds confidence, but it also creates a sense of connection to the earth you know, in a way that is so healing and so important to help us orient in this time and space, you know, Mm -hmm. for sure. And it's just, you know, there's this, how much resistance I sit in my own resistance all of the time. And sometimes I'm stunned by it. Like, I'm really like, wow, really? Like I feel resistance to that. Like that's so 
weird. Like sometimes I have a very devoted meditation practice. I enjoy meditation, but I will still find myself resistant to it. Like I'd rather just scroll on my phone or I'd rather just get up and start moving about my day. It's like that discipline of having to sit down, say my mantras, do my thing. Um, And how always, always you feel so much better at the end of pushing through that resistance than if you had just succumbed to the resistance. And I think that there's a lot of confusion right now that's being taught into the world of like, you know, self-care and people, you know, if you don't feel like doing something, then don't do it. You need to honor these things. And yes, sure. But at the same time, how much of that is reinforcing behavior that is actually not serving you, that's actually counterproductive to your growth and counterproductive to with what it is you're trying to accomplish in this lifetime. And to instead, you know, just focus on the small steps and putting and pushing through these little acts of resistance. You know, if you want good health, or if you want to shed extra weight, or if you want to, you know, have more muscle or anything that you're trying to cultivate in your life, you think about your highest dream, you have to take action on that every step of the way. And are you going to always feel like taking action on it? No. (laughs) And if anything, our society is almost like set up in a way that it's trying to distract you from taking action on those things, that it's trying to lure you back into your jam jams and your comfy (laughs) safe space. And it's trying to prevent you from being uncomfortable. And, and you have to really cultivate a lot of awareness around is this an inner voice that's actually trying to hold me back? Or is this an inner voice that actually my body needs to rest? You know, this is all very individual in nature, but I'm, but I'm always trying to push people into the opposite of direction of no, take action, do the thing, push through it, keep going step by step by step. And sooner or later, you're going to look back and you're going to realize how much you've done, how much work you've done, how closer you are to your goals but it's all in those little micro actions of just doing the thing and trying to get one thing accomplished. And this is the discipline that um, Saturn gives us and that we all have within ourselves. Everyone has these kind of disciplinarians inside of their mind and inside of their voice, but we just really have to honor them. And there's always going to be that resistance. That's a part of the discipline. It wouldn't be discipline if there was no resistance. You're not going to just jump out of bed and be like, I can't wait to go, you know, do these things that are going to be hard and difficult. Like, no, no one ever feels that way. But when you get up, you do it, you do it regardless. You show up to your mat every day. You show up to the gym every day. You show up to your job every day, whatever it is, you know, you're always going to feel on the other side of that, that you have made one proactive step towards your goals and staying focused and just kind of making those things happen, you will end up achieving great things throughout the course of your lifetime. And that is so very Capricorn. I mean, Capricorns are successful. My husband has an exalted Mars in Capricorn and I rely heavily on that exalted Mars in Capricorn (laughs) because I have an earthless chart. So I have no earth in my chart. I'm all air and water. And so I'm highly emotive and I'm highly, you know, philosophical, intellectual, whatever you would like to call it in my head. Um, but yet I, I struggle with very practical things and I have to work really hard to, to kind of take care of mundane things. And I rely heavily on him to 
help me because he's just has this really strong, highly motivated planet. That's really good at getting that stuff done, but he's very successful in his work and in the things that he accomplishes um, because of that Mars and Capricorn. So thank goodness for the Capricorns. Oh my gosh. Truly. Thank you. Capricorns. <laughs> thank you for your service. And it's serious. It's, it's so true. It's so true. I, um, yeah, it's interesting because I, as I was hearing you speak, I just kept coming up. I, I always look at everything through an evolutionary lens. And mm-hmm. when I think about, and even, you know, at, um, like the inner child work and somatic lens, and I think about when I think about Saturn, I always think about the father and mm-hmm. I wonder how much of this resistance we experience, not even resistance to discipline, but like resistance to Saturn that is unconscious father wounding. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like just sort of this resistance to being told what to do or having to show up for things that you don't want to do or or don't want to to feel. And the practice is really, like you said, it's always checking in and, and yeah. checking in like, okay, if there's a resistance to something, is this coming from wounding? Is this coming yeah. from a space of self-sabotage sure. or is this truly your intuition saying like, Hey, we need to pivot our practice. This, mm-hmm. this practice no longer is aligned, you know, and it's all a balancing act. And it's all this, it's, it's all a practice of tuning in to your center point to what's occurring within you internally and mm-hmm. aligning with what decision, you know, mm-hmm. is coming from your higher self is coming from the parent within you. And I love looking at Saturn and um, through the lens of reparenting work too. And I feel like it's, it's such a helpful planet and such a helpful tool to help us evolve and grow and mm-hmm. incorporate more discipline that we need that structure, like right at you know the end of our twenties to reinforce healthy habits and patterns. So it's, I mean, I feel like we could talk for years truly about all this. (laughs) It's kind of one of those things. It's like, I've raised two boys and it's funny, a conversation that I had with my youngest um, and he's got a Mars and Capricorn too. And he's very successful. And it's just, it's amazing to watch your kids do fantastically interesting things with their lives. Um, but that said, him and I were having a conversation and he's like, who knew that like being an adult, like being a grown up, was going to be so hard. And it's just that. And I, it's, it's like, we kind of have these idea, I don't know, ideals, you know, it's like, this is what this looks like. This is what our life looks like when we're young and when we're looking forward and projecting outwards and kind of trying to see like what it is we want to do and how we want to facilitate um, the life that we want for ourselves and how we step into that lifetime. And all of a sudden it becomes hard and everything becomes hard and it never really gets easy. I'm now 50 and so, or I'm not quite 50, I'm 49, but I'm almost <laughs> 50 and I'm stepping into a time in my life where it's like, you still are having to show up and do this work. And, and it's still hard. It's like, you know, maybe financially, I'm a little bit more secure, you know, than when I was 20. But now I'm dealing with, you know, physical issues, my body's aging. And now I'm having to really work hard on my health, you know, it's like, putting the right food into my body doing these things. And it's like, now that's hard. It's like, there's always these themes that are going to be presenting to themselves to us throughout the course of our lifetime, that are hard. (laughs) Like, so true. It's just, it's hard. And this yeah. is Saturn and this is all the, 
the Saturnian influence that exists all around us because we are in Saturn's land. We are in Saturn's cube. And it's this, you know, we're always going to be pushing up against resistance and that resistance is going to come in forms of authority. The resistance is going to come from inside of yourself. That resistance is going to come from your children. That resistance is going to come from the world and what's going on in the world. Like there's just, there's always going to be the resistance and the hardships that are swarming all around you. And it's just, it's, it's never going to get easy and it's not meant to be easy, but you'll find that the more you persevere and the more you stay true to the work itself, that you find beauty in it. I call it Saturn's gold. You'll find gold in um, the effort that you put forth. Oh my gosh. It's, it's so true. It is. There's so much there are golden nuggets held in that perseverance and in that the challenge and difficulty there's medicine. That's why, you know, we, we look at everything through, you know, cycles and, and that you need the underworld, you know, in order to access the light and all of it's important. And Mm -hmm. that's why I've loved this conversation so much because you have such a, a holistic view on growth and evolution and development and, um, we need every aspect of the Zodiac in order to become a whole complete person, you know? And Mm -hmm. so um, thank you so much. This was so fun. Very welcome. And I think that it's, you know, I want to leave off since we had, you know, this heavy Saturn, it's all about discipline. We also have Jupiter. We also Hmm. have Venus. (laughs) You know what I mean? We We also have playful Mercury. We also have the confident sun. Like it's not all about one thing. It's more about looking at these planetary um, energies, what they're lending to us, the lessons we can learn from them and how to pull it all together, all together to cultivate the life that is rewarding is successful, is peaceful, is, you know, supportive. It's like all of those human conditions that I spoke of earlier, all of the things that we are seeking as humans can be met through these explorations. But the greatness of Saturn is that he is going to, if you can step into that energy and if you can step into that vein, he's going to teach you how to be the best version of yourself that you can be. Yeah. It's so much about he's, he sort of steps in as refinement in a way, you know, and like such an incredible tool for up leveling. And if you're into manifestation and up leveling and all the things, which I feel like so many people are now, you're going to want to be Saturn's friend. So yes. yes, um, Get into a Saturn practice, you know, and like I, I tell the people that I work with that have an interest in a Saturn practice, um, There's a book called The Greatness of Saturn. It is um, through the Vedic tradition. So it has an Eastern philosophy approach to it. But it does talk a lot about um, their devotions to Saturn, their practice to Saturn. And I have used a lot of that book in my own practice in um, developing my own devotional work to Saturn. And, you know, I've had very tangible results of the work. So it it's real. It works. It's like all of a sudden you will feel parts of yourself shift and change in a way that if you're trying to cultivate more discipline in your life, if you're trying to get better health, if you're trying to gain more, a better relationship with money, if you're trying to achieve a thing or build a business, all of those things, 
that's all Saturn work, you know? And so stepping into these practices, the daily reminders, it develops something within us, you know, it's kind of, it's a, it's a thing, you know, to think about how the planets exist inside of us, that we are the microcosm to the macrocosm and how, if you have a weakened Saturn, you know, with traditional astrology, we view things through what's called strengths and debilities and how sometimes you can have an afflicted Saturn in your chart by sign or by aspect or by house. And how if you have that afflicted Saturn, you're going to have some struggles with Saturn themes. And that's, you know, always revealed as a father wound, ultimately, when you know, going back to the evolutionary standpoint. But it's, you know, you can develop a relationship with that wounded Saturn and strengthen it like a muscle. You know, if you think about our inner work is the same way in the same way that you think about outer work, you know, if you're trying to build up a part of your physical body, maybe you have weak legs or you have weak arms or a weak back, you have to exercise it. You have to focus on it. You have to give it love. You have to rest it. You have to, I say, you have to like give it a lot of nurturing So if you think about it as nurturing the planet, nurturing the discipline, nurturing um, the the themes in which that planet gives you, it will build, you'll build a better relationship with it. And then all of a sudden, all of those things will just start falling into place. I love that. It's, it's so true. And it, it really is, I feel like such a focus on what we're doing and we're creating now in our, in our society and in our collective and needing to really rebuild a new world, you know, to build a new world and, and (laughs) Saturn's going to be helpful. So I, I would love to have you back on. Yes. I would love to have you back on to talk more about, you know, other planetary placements that are significant even this year as well. But um, if you don't mind just sharing how people can find you where, um, where you share, uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much for having me on. Um, you can find me at my website. My name is Kristen Erlacher. It's U-R-L-A-C-H-E-R.com. I am on social media. I've got a little kind of a closed page that um, my clients and I interact with. Um, so you can find me there at KU Astro Magic and um, join my little collective there. And if you'd like to book a reading with me, you can find me at my site. And um, yeah, that's how that's how you find me. The yes. interwebs. The interwebs. You have such a great <laughs> yeah, you share you share so many incredible, interesting pieces that are always they're always so thought provoking for me. So I appreciate you. your work so much. Yes. Thank and you. And thank you for being here. Um, and thank you everyone for tuning in. It's been um, lovely to have this conversation. I hope you enjoy it as well and pull some of these Saturn golden nuggets from this conversation too. And Love your Saturn. Love your inner Saturn. Give yes. Saturn nothing but love and he'll reward you in return. Exactly. All right. Have a beautiful week. Thank you, Allie. Thank you, everyone. <laughs>